This is the Tree of Life Ministries podcast. Our mission is to reach everyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope this message is inspiring, encouraging, and it challenges you. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that you enjoy and that God will transform your life through today's message. Hallelujah. We'll give the Lord a good praise tonight. Come on and give him a good praise. Thank you, Lord. It's good to see you here tonight, the Wednesday night before Christmas. And I just have a passage of scripture that I want to share with you tonight and something that I want to give you. I know that kids are in here and young people are in here. I know that I appreciate you being here, but I tell you what, it's really good that God is here and the Holy Spirit's here. Amen. Praise God. That's right. If you happen to be watching by social media tonight, internet, we want you to know that we appreciate you tuning in and we just wish you a Merry Christmas. Bless you a Merry Christmas. And I know that there are people that are watching tonight and I'll name a few here in just a moment. But I want you to give all of our guests that are here tonight, those that are watching, a good hand. Thank you for being a part of this service. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. He says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Everybody shout Jesus. This is what what she described he described him. He will be great. Shout great. Called the Son of the Most High, of the Highest. Say highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Somebody shout David. And he will reign. Shout reign. Over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom. Shout kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered her, and look at what he says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And verse 37 is really where I want to focus tonight on. For with God... Nothing will be impossible. Let's say that together, verse 37. Say it together. For with God, nothing will be impossible. One more time. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you believe that tonight? I said, do you believe that tonight? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to remember the family of Roy Neighbors. He passed away. And... um, It's always rough when you lose a loved one this time of year. And uh, I was thinking just the other day when uh, a picture popped up when I was posting something of my father seven years ago. And uh, so it hasn't been that long since we've been without him. And I tell you, it's tough whenever you go into the holiday and you don't have your loved ones with you anymore. And so we want to remember those who have lost loved ones. I talked with... Lewis, before service tonight, he called me and he said, I just really want everyone to know that I haven't been ignoring anyone. 
it's just really been tough to get rest and tough to get sleep. He said they finally sent us home. He said they're just waiting on a few things to work out for the surgery. And uh, he said, he was just really in tears. He said, I just, I want you, everyone to know how much I really love them, how much I really miss them. And I really, we really know that it's the prayers that's getting us by. And he is tuned in tonight. I want you to give them a good hand, letting them know that we're praying for them. Jenny's brother, Jenny is here with us from New York and we talk about her practically every week and she wants prayer for her brother Eddie. And today there's a young man that is in service with us tonight. His name is Carter and his mom stopped me before service tonight. She said, I'll take you anywhere you want to go to eat tonight. He said, where I want to go is I want to go to church. And at seven years old, I want you to wish Carter a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Carter. <laughs> you have a need, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. I just want you to lift your hand and just hold it up there just for a moment. And we're just going to believe God to take care of it tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight. And God, all over this auditorium are needs that people expressed at a time of year, Lord, when we're celebrating the Savior of the world. We just sang about you, Jesus. We sang about you being the Savior of the world. And Lord, tonight we know that people stand in this auditorium, we all stand in this auditorium, and God, we could all testify at how you came into our hearts and you saved us from our sins you delivered us from the hand of the enemy. And God, if there was nothing else that we could praise you for, we could praise you that our name is written in the book of life because of you coming to this earth 2,000 years ago. But God, it's because we know that you've come into our life and you've saved us, that you not only came to save us, but you came to heal us. You came to deliver us. You came to bless us. You came to impart your joy, your peace, your love, your grace, your mercy. And so tonight, Father, we can know that as we raise our hand, we're in right relationship with you. And God, because we are, you see our need, you hear our need, you hear our prayers tonight, Father. And so, Lord, we lift up the prayers for your people tonight. We lift up the prayers of those for those who have lost loved ones. We lift up those who are sick and maybe not able to be in here. Maybe they're in a hospital. Maybe they're at home like Josephine. We lift up loved ones who have lost people that are close to them, maybe friends that are just like family members. Those that are sick in body tonight, God, we lift them all up before you. And Lord, what we thank you for tonight is that you're in this place. We thank you that your power is here tonight. We thank you that your love is here tonight. We thank you for what you're going to do tonight. And God, we know that it's the time of year where we acknowledge your birth. But Lord, what we also acknowledge is that a king was born 2,000 years ago and that tonight you reign. Lord, you reign over all this earth. You reign over every need in our life. And so God, we wanna thank you tonight we bless you, we honor you, we praise you, and we declare that when we leave this place tonight, we're going to believe the words that there is nothing impossible. There is nothing impossible for you to do tonight. 
Lord, if there's someone here tonight that needs healing, God, you're the God of the impossible. Lord, we declare tonight, if there's someone here tonight that needs your joy, your peace, they need your comfort, they need your presence, we declare that where they can't find it anywhere else, you're the God of the impossible. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to move in this place tonight. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory for what you're going to do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Somebody just give God a praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm glad you're here tonight. I've been talking to you over the last several weeks about hope for the holidays. And probably if there is one thing that I could close out, one passage of Scripture that I could close out this holiday season with on a Wednesday night, it's in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. When he said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. When you add God into the equation, how many of you know that nothing is impossible? If you Google impossible, there's actually a list of inventions of what once was considered impossible feats or impossible inventions. You'll see titles like a list of things, of inventions that were once said to be impossible a list of impossible scientific achievements, a list of everyday things that were once impossible. Among the list were everyday items that now we can't imagine living without. And probably years ago, people would laugh at, they scoffed at, and they thought they were probably too outrageous to even imagine or think of. At one point when a person was talking about having or inventing a light bulb, they said, well, that's absolutely impossible. It's impossible. How can you harness electricity and put it into a small item and let it bring light? But how many of you know we sit under that? What was once impossible, we sit under that tonight. When they said there's no way that you can replace a heart valve with a mechanical heart valve, they said it was impossible. And now there are people walking around all around the world with heart valves put inside of their heart with what was once considered impossible. When they talked about breaking the sound barrier, they said, oh no, that's absolutely impossible. There's no way that you can put someone in an aircraft and they can fly through the air at the speed of sound and break the sound barrier. And not only did they say it was impossible, they said it's absolutely ludicrous and it is absolutely impossible to even think about putting a man on the moon. But just a few years after breaking the sound barrier, they put a man on the moon. You can see that at one time when people were talking about a personal computer, they thought, well, that's impossible. How are you going to get all this information into such a, a small, compact machine and, and call it a computer that people can use? And, and they said, that's going to be impossible. But they were able to get it in a small, compact thing. And, and then they said, when, there's going to be one day where you're going to be able to send information across uh, uh, the, what they would define as uh, cables and, and uh, electrical currents. And they said, no way, that, that's impossible. And, but they ended up sending emails. And then they said, one day, 
we're going to be able to bring people together on this computer. And they said, no, that's impossible. It's impossible to think that you can get everybody together on one screen. But we saw it actually come more alive, more to life through the pandemic as people came together and they had the virtual meetings. They said, told Michael Jordan when he was in high school, they said, you know what? He said, I want to be a professional basketball player. They said, it's impossible. There's no way that you're going to be a professional basketball player. You're really not all that tall. And not only that, your shooting is not that great. You're really not that great of a player. There's no way that you're going to be a great basketball player. They told Walt Disney, they said, there's no way that you're going to see what you're thinking in your mind come to pass because uh, you really have no creative ability to fall back on and generate in your mind and come up with in your heart. And so it's impossible for you to come together, for you to pull things together and, and have this huge theme park that you're thinking in your mind that you might have. And they told Beethoven, they said, it's impossible. His teacher said when he want, told him that he wanted to compose music, they said, it's impossible that there's no way that you're able to compose music. You're not even that smart of a student, that not great of a student. And, and how is it that you'll be able to really compose music? And now you see that all of these things that were once deemed impossible, they were made possible. I sit here and as I was studying this tonight, I often think and I wonder if we have come to believe that man can achieve the impossible, why do we fail to believe that God can do the impossible? If we've come to believe that man can do things that once were deemed impossible and now we even raise our kids in an environment and they say, you know, listen, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't achieve something, that you can't do something, that you aren't able to make something happen. If you believe in yourself, it's possible. But I want to tell you tonight that we have a greater possibility of achieving anything in life when we have God alive inside of us. We have a greater possibility possibility of achieving and becoming anything in life when God gets involved in our lives. How many of you believe that tonight, that a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, omniscient and omnipresent, a God who is able, what Scripture says in Ephesians 3.20, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. If God is alive in you, there is nothing, I want to say there is nothing, there is nothing that God can do for you and through you. How many of you believe that tonight? Impossible indicates the utter inability and the lack of ability, a lack of strength or a lack of power. When you look at the word impossible and you think about nothing being impossible with God, you have to look at the Greek meaning of impossible. It means to be unable, too weak to perform, unrealizable, unworkable, unfeasible, unachievable, and unreachable. All of these define the word impossible. In other words, it's just not going to happen, not even might not going to happen. It means it's absolutely not going to happen. And like this and many other stories that we read in words God in God's Word, when you look at what I read with you and I shared with you tonight, 
I look at this and I think about all the times, all the past Christmases that we would sit around and we would gather our kids, the grandkids would gather around and, and my father would sit there and he would read this story every year without exception and he would go around the room and we would begin to give thanks and it dawned on me one year how many things that we were giving thanks for were things that almost seemed impossible at the time. And I want to tell you tonight that one of the greatest things that we could ever do as parents, one of the greatest things that you could ever do as grandparents, one of the greatest things that you could ever do for the people that are in your life is sit there and tell them and explain to them how everything that was deemed impossible in your life, everything that the devil said would never happen, everything that people said would never happen, but you gather them around and you would say, I want you to know, I want to tell you tonight, that with God all things are possible. Don't let anyone ever tell you that when God is involved, it's impossible. I stand here tonight and one of the things that I really enjoy when I stand here and preach is as I'm reading the scripture before I open and I, I begin to open into the scripture, I open this notebook and, and right here in this notebook are a few items that I keep because I remember when the devil told me that certain Certain things weren't going to happen. I remember when people told me that I was crazy for thinking and crazy for dreaming and crazy for believing and everyone thought that what I was, I, God had given me was impossible to happen. But the reason why I keep it here is not only a reminder to me, but when I stand in the pulpit and I'm preaching about faith, I'm preaching about a mighty God, a powerful God, a great God, an all-knowing God, an all-God, a God that has the ability to do anything that we would believe him for, anything he puts in our heart, anything he gives us as a vision. It's a reminder to me and the devil every time I stand in the pulpit that with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. Give God a praise. If you break down the Luke account, you have to remember that Luke was a doctor and I believe that as he went back and he began to look as a physician and he began to dig into everything that he was researching, he wasn't one of the original disciples, so he had to go back and analyze. He had to go back and dissect. He had to go back and dig into every area that he was going to, to put into words so that it could form this gospel. And so as he began to go on this investigative search of creating his gospel, we know that as because he wasn't one of the original disciples that he had to fall on his knowledge as a physician. He had to use his intelligence. And at the same time he was using his intelligence, he had to combine faith with it. And so as he combined his faith with the intelligence that God had given him to be a physician, to be able to treat people, we see that many physicians, even in our day, are very skeptical when it comes to things of God. Many times we've heard physicians walk into the room and say, you know, I'm sorry, there's not anything else that I can do for them. I'm sorry, but there's no hope for them. I'm sorry, but we've done everything that we can. We've given them every kind of medicine. We've given them every kind of treatment, and we really don't know what else to do. 
I wonder how many times Luke thought that as he would walk down the street and there was no cure for leprosy. There was no cure for certain types of blindness. There was no cure when someone got sick internally and they would try to treat them to the best of their ability. But here was this physician that had been touched by the hand of God to go and write the gospel to a bunch of people that would be skeptical about whether or not God could really do the impossible. And so Luke pulled all of this together and I believe that as Luke went back and he began to research and he began to look and he began to talk to and he began to investigate and he began to interview people. I can't help but wonder if maybe he didn't go back and if you look in Luke chapter 1 and you see that maybe he went back and he researched the prophecies the words of the prophets that spoke about the Christ child that was going to be born. I wonder if he went and talked to Mary and he went and talked to Elizabeth. And as he was talking to Mary and he was talking to Elizabeth, and I wonder if maybe while he wasn't talking with them, he got a sense of what God was really doing inside of their life at the time. And, and as they sat there and they shared with one another and they began to talk, that when they meant how that the Holy Spirit leaped inside of the womb of Mary because the Holy Spirit was actively involved in the conception of the Messiah. I wonder as they met and as they talked, Luke himself wasn't inspired in such a great detail of the Holy Spirit that he said, man, I just sensed something as I talked to them. I just believe that God really did make this happen when people thought that it was impossible. I serve, Luke was saying, a possible God. God. Give God a praise in this place. I wonder if he sat there and as he wrote these words, he could remember and they could, they could go back and they could recount the words of Mary as she began to praise God because she made the comment and she made the praise in Luke chapter 1 verses 49 through 53. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arms, scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the mighty of their thrones, and exalted those of humble estate, and has filled the hungry with good things. You say, that is a, a really great praise, but you do realize it wasn't an ordinary praise because at the time Mary was only about 13 or 14 years old old and, and although we know the Holy Spirit was actively at work and actively moving but do you realize that this young girl had a praise inside of her heart that she could articulate in such a way that praise was flowing out of the abundance of her spirit to let people know that God was involved in the conception of the Messiah in her life. Luke the skeptical physician became the writer of facts and faith. And he could have went back to the inn where Mary and Joseph were turned away that night that she was to give birth. Maybe he went back and he interviewed the shepherds that came to visit and worship the Christ child. He could have researched all the wicked, insecure Herod ruling that he did and at the time of Christ's birth. He could have researched all the kings of his day. He could have done all the research and dug into it as much as he could have. I believe maybe he, he went back and as he interviewed Simeon, he saw how Simeon was so moved when he saw what he defined as the consolation of Israel. The man who held the Son of God in his hands 
and then turn to God and say, God, now you can take me because I've received the promise that you gave me. I want to tell you, I know that we're almost at the end of the year and maybe some of you have been believing God for a promise, but tonight I want to tell you there's still some of this year left and you need to hold out for the promise. Whatever that promise is, Simeon is proof that if you hold out for the promise of God, God gives you the promise that he gave you. You look at this and you see that maybe he interviewed Anna the prophetess, a prophetess of God, a lady who... Scripture says she didn't depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer. And she began to give thanks to God and speak to all, doing what? Waiting for the redemption of Israel. Imagine the more Luke, the doctor, kept digging. And the more he kept digging, I believe the more his faith kept rising. The more he investigated, the more he examined, the more convinced and conviction grew inside of his heart and inside of his spirit. The more he dug deeper into the prophecies and the accounts, the more his faith grew deeper and the stronger it became in the Lord. The more research he did, it matched more God facts of faith that began to unfold inside of his life that he began to pin in Scripture. No matter how he analyzed it, it all led to the same conclusion that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, born of a virgin, as predicted by all impossibilities. God made it possible. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. For every skeptic, scoffer, critic, cynic, doubter, and disbeliever that would think in the past or think in the present that it's impossible for a woman to give birth without a man. If you're referring to the same impossible that the angel referred to, the impossible meaning unable, too weak to perform, unrealizable, unattainable, unworkable, unfeasible, unachievable, and unreachable. That's impossible when left to a man. But when it's up to God, I said when it's up to God, oh, somebody help me out here tonight. I said when it's up to God, when God gets involved, all things are possible. I said, when God gets involved, all things are possible. See, the fact of it is, many of you wouldn't even be sitting here tonight had God not got involved inside of your life. Aren't you glad God got all up in your business when you didn't want nobody in your business, when you wanted to be left alone? Aren't you glad that God got involved and didn't leave you alone? Somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. See, there's always a way when God is involved. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How will this be? I want you to notice how she worded this. And I'll just tell you, this was something that the Holy Spirit even shared with me early this morning I was sitting there and I was writing out some of the things for a devotion and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Ray, do you realize that a lot of believers sometimes mask their doubt 
under the disguise of belief. I said, what do you mean? And he said, notice what Mary said. She said, how can this be? She wasn't doubting the existence of God. She wasn't doubting the existence of the angel. She wasn't doubting whether or not God was really moving and speaking to her. She wasn't doubting the presence of the Almighty at the time. But what she was doubting was the divine and the supernatural work of God. And I wonder how many times we come into the house of God and we know that God is real because he saved us. We know that God is real because we can pick up his word and read it. We know that God is real when we see him save and save someone free but when we are believing God because God has spoke to us about something that seems impossible we don't want to come right out and disbelieve in God so we hide it under the disguise of belief and we say God I believe in you but how are you going to make it happen and what did he say in Isaiah 43 I'm making a way through the sea, a way through the mighty waters. I'm making a way through the wilderness, a way through the desert. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that when temptation comes, he makes a way of escape. In Philippians, he says, when you're broke, he makes a way by supplying all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You need to know tonight that when God gets involved, there's always a, way, always a way out of it, always a way into it, and always a way through it. There's nothing that he can't move to get you through, nothing he can't make to get you out, and nothing can stop him from getting in to where you're at. Aren't you glad that God can always make a way when it seems to be no way? Think back for a moment and you'll see the times that you thought it was over, but God made a way out. Think about the times that the enemy had you convinced that you were finished and that it was all over with and you were at your end, but God made a way out. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that has a way out for us? Remember when you didn't have hope? Remember when you were written off? Remember when you were at the end of your rope? But God made a way. When God gets involved, he always makes a way out. My goodness, somebody give God a good praise in this place here tonight. There is always a way when the Holy Spirit moves. The angel answered her, and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will call, be called Holy, the Son of God. We know that when the Holy Spirit moves, He moves things out of the way. We also need to remember that when the Holy Spirit moves, He puts things in their place and things into place. In other words, he is moving in such a way that he's the great orchestrator of our lives, the divine arranger of our lives, the supernatural organizer of our lives, the heavenly coordinator of our lives, and the unseen work 
of our entire life. He is the Holy Spirit. He works in ways inside of us. He works in ways around us. He works in ways for us. We may never get to know until we get to heaven, but tonight you can be assured that the Holy Spirit is always actively working in your life and in my life to arrange and work things out even when we aren't seeing it, even when we don't know it. There is always a way that God is making to do the possible when it seems like it's impossible when the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit, it was Him who sent the wind and parted the sea. I believe it was the Holy Spirit who divinely protected the three, the, the three Hebrew children as they walked around the fire. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that urged and, and moved in the life of Ezekiel as he stood over the valley of dry bones and spoke and the Spirit of God flowed through that valley, filled those bones, and raised them up. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is as active right now as he was on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit moves... There's always a way to be made. I want you to look at this, the last thing, and they're getting ready to come. There's always a way when you get out of your own way. That's why Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What Mary realized at that point was, a very powerful revelation that God was going to use her, that she had been set apart for a divine purpose and plan, that salvation would come to this world through the form of a baby that she would deliver. And his name would be called Emmanuel. God with us. How many of you know that God is with us here tonight? I said, how many of you know that God is with us here tonight? And I want to ask you, wouldn't it be terrible if God was only with us when we came to church? But God will be with you when you get in your car. God will be with you when you walk through the door of your home tonight. God will be with you when you lie down tonight and go to sleep. God will be with you when you wake up in the morning. God will be with you when you're sitting there and you're gathered around and you're opening presents. God will be with you when you come back here and worship. God will be with you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, when your time comes or when it comes, time comes for him to come and redeem his people from this earth. God will be with us. I want to ask you tonight, though. You say, are you really saying that God is with us just like he was with Mary? Yes, I'm telling you, God is with us just like he was with Mary. But if you don't know him, you're never going to have the closeness and the relationship with him like many people sitting here in this auditorium do tonight. The God who was with Mary 
the God child that Mary delivered, the child that she watched grow up and give his life, the child, how many of you know that he was still her son when she went to the tomb? And when she went to that tomb, he went from being a son to being a savior. Hallelujah. And he's still the Savior. 2,000 years later, sitting on the throne, the throne of David, his kingdom forever, the house of Jacob. Our God still reigns. Our God is still alive. And he's here tonight to be your God. You say, is it really possible? If you look around this room, I'm sure there are people here tonight that when they told people, I gave my heart to the Lord, they looked at him and they said, that can't be. That's not possible. But they are able to say tonight, you know what, with man, you're right, it's impossible. But with my God, all things are possible. Come on, give him a hand tonight. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Bow your heads with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, tonight, it may be that there is someone here tonight that they have come into this auditorium with something that was told to them that's impossible. Why would you pray for that? That's impossible. The doctors told you that it would never happen. The, that's impossible. I mean, do the math. It's impossible. Your closest friends look at you like you're crazy. Even saints of God turn around and you've caught them rolling their eyes. They're crazy. That's impossible. But I want to ask you tonight, could it be that God is just waiting for you to say, God, if you said it, if you said it, if you said it, that with God, there is nothing impossible. If you said it, God, I believe it to be possible. I believe it with so much possibility that I look at the words of a doctor that who investigated, who investigated, and who investigated, who dug, who dug, who dug, who dug, and what he found every time that he kept digging, he found that God was true to his word. He found every promise to be true. He found every prophecy to be true. He found every word spoken to be true. And now a skeptic and now a physician 
who dug, who investigated, can stand and say, whatever you do, believe God for the impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah tonight, God. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. And if you're here tonight, and I know that because it's the week of Christmas, most of us are maybe a little more dignified and together. But you know what? Wouldn't it be great that if tonight the thing that you've been believing God for that everyone said was impossible. God said, no, tonight is the night that I'm going to make the impossible possible for your life. And they're going to sing and they're going to play. We're getting ready to close in prayer. But if there is something in your life, something in your life that you've said or you've heard someone say, maybe as a believer here tonight, you've been in the place of Mary and you've clothed your doubt under the disguise of worship. On the outside you worship and you believe God for your salvation. But can God really make me whole? Can God really heal my body? Can God really save that person that people have given up on? If you are believing God and He's speaking to you to believe Him for the impossible, this altar is open as they sing. Sing it out. Thanks for listening to today's message. We pray you were blessed by God's Word. For more information on Tree of Life Ministries, you can visit tolm.net or you can follow us on social media at TOLM Lynchburg. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.